He kind of kisses her like he's falling asleep into a bowl of porridge. Hello everybody and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today I'm going to be looking at, I think, possibly the oldest film I've actually looked at for the podcast so far, and that is Black Sunday, aka The Mask of Satan, aka various other things. Uh, This film is a 1960s Italian horror movie, um, directed by Mario Bava, which is a director I've never heard of, because I'm not really a, a, a film nut, I don't know a lot about different directors and things like that, but he's apparently quite famous, because the uh, disc that I have is from a collection of films that he directed, uh, and originally this film was banned in the UK until 1968 due to the gore, which is actually pretty tame by modern standards, especially because the film is in black and white. I feel like I need to make it clear, more than I ever have before, that I'm not an expert in film, and I'm not reviewing this as a piece of classic horror film history or anything like that. I'm purely looking at it as a film about witches. Does it deliver on that front? And mm, I don't really think so. Uh, I probably wouldn't watch it again. I probably also wouldn't recommend it for just like general viewing because I feel like it it is quite a slog to get through, but there are some really good points to it. And uh, I'm going to talk about those now. So I mentioned that it was banned because of gore. Um, there isn't really anything to trigger one for in the in the film that, that I could think of. Uh, but there are some scenes of gore or violence which uh, might upset some people, which, uh, again, are, are pretty tame by modern standards. If you can watch a Saw film, then you're probably OK going into this one. To give you some idea, in the first scene, the main character, the witch, uh, gets a spiked iron mask nailed onto her face. Um, so just just picture that and then think, will I be okay watching this film? And if the answer is no, don't watch it. Uh, so I was a little bit confused when I started the movie up because I was expecting it to be in black and white. That wasn't a surprise. But the voiceover narrator guy at the beginning is talking about um, people fighting back against the children of darkness and various other things um which he then says to whom tradition has given the name of vampires i had to stop the disc for a second and just go and check to make sure that this was actually a film that had which is mentioned in the blurb and it does um but for some reason they kick it off with vampires and then she's uh said that she's been found guilty but they don't say what of and don't really mention witchcraft at all they don't mention satan but they don't really mention anything about her being guilty of witchcraft she's referred to as the witch pretty much throughout the movie so my, my initial wobble on that front was quickly put to rest but it, it was a frightening couple of minutes where i was just like wait a minute is this a movie just about vampires have, have i been missold a dvd this has never happened before Anyway, so this woman is called Princess Azza and she is accused of vampirism slash witchcraft uh, by her brother who is there to to put her to death with a torch-wielding mob. Uh, They nail the the iron mask onto her face, but not before she curses him and his entire line and says she will return through his bloodline to regain her life uh, that he's stealing from her. So, uh that's pretty cool but they whack that mask on pretty good and then they try and burn her at the stake but uh it's raining so that doesn't really go as planned and they just decide to bury her instead 
Uh, they also bury someone else, and I wasn't really sure who that was meant to be, but you do find out that he is essentially her accomplice. He is buried in what is a, apparently unconsecrated ground, but they do have really, really nice headstones, which is weird. Uh, and she is then chucked into the family crypt, which seems very nice considering that her brother had her murdered because of witchcraft and vampirism. Um, but no, into the family crypt she goes. We then flash forward two centuries um, to meet a pair of dudes in a carriage, uh, an older gentleman and a younger gentleman. Uh, these guys are referred to as like the professor and his assistant. His assistant is called Andre uh, and apparently both are doctors, although I think Andre is like a doctor in training. The coach uh, is being driven by a very superstitious man uh, who doesn't initially want to take a shortcut through the creepy haunted woods, which, I mean, sound. Um, but then he, he does for a shiny silver coin. But then the wheel gets stuck and the two men uh, abandon the coach for a little walk around the local neighbourhood ruined church while the coach driver is left alone to try and, I don't know, fix it or, you know, whatever you do to coaches when that happens. They find a door to a cobweb-filled crypt and then locate uh, a big stone um, casket with a, a glass window in the front and a big crucifix on top and um, the professor explains to young Andre that the glass window is there so that the witch inside can see the crucifix and that will prevent her from rising and he knows she's a witch because the mask was used on witches so that they would always wear their true face the face of satan which was a really cool bit of lore and i really appreciated that that was pretty cool i did not appreciate the giant fake bat that attacks the professor the minute andre leaves to go check on the poor coachman it looks like it was made out of like three umbrellas and some gaffer tape in about 10 minutes but um then the professor does shoot it with a tiny gun so that was pretty amusing unfortunately once he shot it he beats at it with his big cane and uh, in the process breaks not only the glass window in the coffin but also the stone crucifix on top so good job doc you've just doomed everybody uh, andre then returns and they find artifacts in the coffin uh, like a little gold fold out relic type thing uh, i wasn't sure what it was it looked like part of a shrine uh, but it's referred to later as being the icon so I'm going to call it the icon. We get some pretty gnarly shots into the broken open stone coffin once the doctor has removed the bronze mask because I guess he's from the Lara Croft school of grave desecration. Uh, and they we see like little scorpions crawling all over this like sort of stiff white face. And then we get some shots into the eye sockets which are sort of soupy and full of maggots, which is great. In the process of removing the mask and dooming us all, uh, the doctor gets uh, his hand cut on some of the broken glass and we see like blood dripping onto the remains. And if ever there's a thing that's going to bring someone back from the dead, it'll be blood dripping on their body by accident. So uh, that all happens. Some lightning and some fog machines kick off. And at this point, I was getting like some Dracula vibes. You know, we're in a coach with a superstitious driver. We're heading into a sort of Russian slash eastern european village um it, it just felt very 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 dracula -y. and later it got a little bit more frankenstein-y but it's definitely kind of hearkening to that kind of era of film with like torch wielding mobs and black and white castles and lightning and 
I was kind of here for it. It was kind of uh, kind of fun to watch. Uh, the pair of doctors go outside of the crypt and they encounter a beautiful woman who is the spitting image of the dead witch because she's the same actress with two big black dogs on a leash, which is a red flag or potentially two red flags. And she has winged eyeliner for days and is clearly very pretty. And Andre is instantly smitten. We do see that the witch is still dead in the crypt. So I can only assume that this woman is a relative from further down the bloodline and this is confirmed to be correct. When the woman returns to the castle uh, she plays piano in a spooky hall full of carved dragons while some dude just polishes a gun because as you do and these are revealed to be brothers and sister Katia and Constantine and they are the son and daughter of the lord who is the spitting image of the brother from the opening scene because he's the same actor. Uh, their dad notices um, that the portrait of Asa, which they still for some reason have on the wall. You'd think they would have burnt it, but they didn't. Uh, something is moving in it. I think it's like a griffin that's, that's moved slightly. And he freaks out uh, and they talk about it for a bit. And it comes up that um, Katya is fascinated by this picture. And obviously there's a connection between her and the dead witch which uh, no one really knows how to explain. We are also introduced to Ivan the butler, who appears a lot more than I thought he would, so I thought I'd just drop his name into context. He has a little bit of a conversation with the Lord after Katya and Constantine have departed, and he talks a little bit about what happened in the intervening 200 years. So we get to find out the name of the other person executed for witchcraft, who is Prince Yabutish, which is fun to say, uh, who was um, Princess Asa's like assistant in her witchcraft, I guess, that they were both executed 200 years ago. But then 100 years ago, so 100 years after the execution, an earthquake freed the witch and uh, when the chapel was destroyed. And the same night, Princess Matcha, I think is what they called her, died mysteriously at age 21, which is the current age of Katya. So it seems like this is like an every hundred year deal that the witch comes back and, and causes mischief, maybe because of the, the chapel being disturbed before, but it's never really clear how she was freed a hundred years ago, but then still not freed now until the doctor, you know, killed that bat in a spectacularly dumb way. We then have a really cool shot of the eyes growing back in this kind of stiff mummified face, which is really cool, and I have no idea how they did it, or if it would look cool at all if the film was in colour. But in black and white, it looks pretty legit, so um, major points for that. It, it looks kind of cool. And then we get to find out what Andre and the Professor are doing, which is drinking vodka at a local inn. Uh, a girl from the inn then has to go and milk a cow, which is being kept in a barn adjacent to the unconsecrated cemetery, which is definitely where I would keep all of my dairy-producing animals. She doesn't want to go, she's a bit scared, but nothing actually happens to her. However, at the same time, the body in the crypt begins to call to Yabutish to rise up, and he duly does rise up as a storm begins. He kind of comes up and he's got like gooey gross hands, and he pulls the mask off that was nailed to his face, and uh, he doesn't look great under that there, but he, he still has eyes, so um, he, he's doing okay. Now, this part confused me a little bit because a door opens in the back of the fancy ornate dragon fireplace at the castle. I was really unclear as to why this door was there or how it had come to be there without any of the like ancestral owners of the castle knowing about it. 
but sure. Uh, the wind kind of starts wrecking the castle and knocking shit over once the door's been opened. And uh, the Lord is woken by this and seems quite scared. And he's, you know, got the wind up him kind of appropriately. And yes, sure enough, it's your boy, Yabutich. And uh, he goes for the Lord uh, in a kind of Dracula-esque pounce. But the Lord fends him off with a crucifix, which sends Yabutich running for the door. And then the Lord kind of loses his mind a teeny bit, I guess, because of the strain of being attacked by Yabutich. Um, so Katya and Constantine send for a doctor, because obviously they know about the two doctors being at the inn. And they send a guy called Boris, which I th- think I must have missed because um, it, it was kind of quite slow at this point because they were just having a conversation and I, I must have zoned out. So apologies, but they do send Boris. Um, the doctor is still smoking his pipe by a pond where he's been for quite a while now, which I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm concerned for his consumption of pipe. But there we go. Uh, some fog creeps up on him. And he is collected by a big carriage, which is being driven by Yabutich. So, um, not Boris. Boris has mysteriously gone missing. Uh, the milk girl sees him get into the carriage and they drive off hell to leather towards the castle. And I was kind of confused as to what was happening uh, or why. But somehow, and I don't know where they end up, um, but the doctor follows Yabutich from the carriage into what looks like the castle that everyone else is in but it's full of cobwebs so i'm guessing it's like a secret passageway that no one knows about uh which leads into the crypt from earlier and the the amount of secret passages was getting kind of confusing at this point not gonna lie but uh he realizes at some point that he's not following a man holding a lamp anymore he's just following a floating lamp which he then pokes and it falls on the floor so that's pretty scary he then ends up at the casket uh which like the stone just blows open and the witch says i've been waiting for you i need more of your blood so that i can come back and so she wants to kiss him and she says her kiss will transform him that he will be dead to men but alive in death Uh, and then he kisses her but and i don't know if you can picture this it's not really like a kiss that i've ever seen on film he kind of kisses her like he's falling asleep into a bowl of porridge it's just kind of like a downward facing kind of bleh. But there you go. Um, he, he kisses her like a bowl of porridge and then we, we cut to a different scene. So that's over. The Lord gives his last words to his children, which are all about, you know, how the crucifix is the only thing that can save them. And then Yabutich says to Asa that he will bring Katya to her so she can live again. So it's pretty much like an anux and a moon slash Evie type thing from the mummy where she needs to possess or transfer her essence or whatever to a new host anyway the lord's dead uh, i i guess that that shock and horror of nothing happening to him re- really got to his nervous system because he dies and then constantine finds that the doctor is missing they can't find him in his room he was meant to be staying up all night with the lord not to get lucky but you know to to fend off the specter of death but he didn't he's gone At the same time, Andre wakes up at the inn. He finds that the professor is missing and by questioning some of the locals, realises that he needs to go to the castle to find him. At the same time, Boris, the coach driver, is discovered dead in the river. They kind of do this reveal of like finding the body. And I looked at the body and I was like, who the fuck is that? Because I've never seen him before. So I think the only time we see Boris is when he's dead in a river. So it's kind of pointless us seeing him because it's not shocking to see someone that you don't know who they are is now dead. Um, but anyway, Andre arrives at the castle and Constantine is 
again, seriously angry that the doctor just fucked off, which, fair. Um, although it wasn't like they were paying him. So uh, Andre says that's really unlike the doctor and they decide to try and find him. But also notice that the Lord has a, a big vampire bite on his neck. So that doesn't bode well. <laughs> There's really then like kind of a funny moment. I don't know that it's meant to be funny, but um, Katya kind of passes out because uh, she, she's obviously just seen her dead dad. And that's that, that's no fun, especially when he was. I guess killed by vampires. Um, so she passes out and uh, Andre carries her to her bedroom. But she's kind of like lying on the bed and her bosom is heaving a lot to the extent that I would expect her to have backache after this. But through this, it is revealed that she's wearing a very sparkly crucifix necklace that, to be honest, wouldn't look out of place on 50 Cent. Um, so I guess that's going to be important later. The village people then arrive. I don't know why, but a whole gaggle of them turn up at the castle to talk about how Boris is dead. It is confirmed by the timely arrival of the milk-getting urchin that uh, Boris was not the person who was driving the carriage that picked up the doctor. And then she points at the uh, portrait on the wall of Yabutic. Why do they have this? Did he live there? Why do they have a painting of a guy that they killed for witchcraft? It makes no sense. Anyway, she points at the painting and is like, that's the man, your boy, Yabutic. They're a little bit conf concerned and confused by this and you know, as you would expect. At this point, the movie just becomes even more slow than it was already. I, I get that it's not going for the whole kind of action-y, shock and awe thing, but there's, there's a lot of very slow conversations, so I'm going to breeze past most of them. Uh, the Dodger is then sent through the secret fireplace door by Yabutic uh, to, I guess, get Katya, um, who is removing her necklace at her dressing table. But then he just kind of sticks a shadowy hand out of some curtains, and so she screams and runs away. So he's terrible at kidnap as he is at, you know, staying with his patients. Andre at this point stumbles on that icon relic thing, um, which he, I guess, just had in his stuff because he's stealing it. And um, he, when running to the source of Kutch's screams, encounters the doctor. Uh, but the doctor tries to warn him off and says he should leave. But when Andre brandishes the icon, the doctor runs away. So I guess that's important. Andre then finds both of the dogs from earlier bleeding to death in front of the fireplace, where the door is now obviously shut. But that's suspicious as heck, and aww, doggies. The local priest, who has a giant beard, uh, says he will translate the icon, which is in like old Cyrillic, so it's going to take a little while. And Andre encourages Katya to like flee the castle to be safe, but she refuses. Somehow this conversation takes like 10 minutes, it's full of like swelling piano music, so I guess they're in love. A curtain in the hall catches fire, and Ivan, who went to the bat-killing school of dealing with his problems, beats it with a stick and tears the portrait of Yabutic, which is underneath, uh, revealing a secret lever, which is what opens and closes the fireplace door. I don't know why the lever is there. I guess it's to open it from their side, but um, it's been concealed this whole time, so I don't know how people were opening it when they were already in the castle. Anyway... Constantine and Andre decide to investigate the secret passage, as you would, but they leave Ivan the butler to guard the entrance so it doesn't close, trapping them in there. So Ivan's minutes are numbered. Inside the secret passage, they find a room with Ace's weird nude portrait on the wall, and they push it, which opens another secret passage within the secret passage they're already in, which leads to the crypt. Uh, in the meantime, the fireplace door closes and Ivan, noticing this, is then strangled. So, bye Ivan. 
They find Ace's body in the crypt, which is very clearly breathing, and yet they make no attempt to, like, lower their voices. They just stand, like, two inches away from her, having a really loud conversation. So, it definitely looks like she's just sleeping, but they're not worried about waking her up. Um, Andre says he's going to go see the priest to see if, in the last four minutes, he has managed to translate that thing. So, he goes out the way they came into the crypt originally, into the forest, and Constantine decides to go back the castle way, which is obviously now a dead end. Uh, once he's done that and realised it's a dead end, he tries to go back through the Acer portrait, but that's now not opening, so he's just trapped in a corridor. Amazingly, the priest has used those four minutes really wisely and translated the icon, which he says tells them what to do to fix everything, which is super convenient. Um, so he helps Andre to locate Yabutich's grave. Uh, meanwhile, Yabutich backs Constantine into a literal trapdoor in the floor in the corridor, which is already like two secret passageways. So Constantine's in a hole in the floor. Uh, the priest and Andre then find the mask that Yabutich took off and they find a recently opened grave in which the doctor is dead. Uh, and then the priest burns the doctor with a, a crucifix to show that he's one of the living dead now who walks at night. And then they stake him through the eye with a big splinter of wood. Because I guess that's how you deal with vampires. And apparently the icon says you must pierce the witch and Yabutich and basically anyone else who's a vampire through the left eye with a piece of wood. So if they knew that and knew it enough to write it on this gold thing and bury it with the witch... Why didn't they just, when, you know, the whole fire execution party got rained off, get a piece of wood and stab her in the eye? Then there'd be no film. I don't know why they didn't do that, but they didn't. So here we are. Cartier wakes up and goes looking for literally anyone in the castle, which is like three people live there. So she's, her odds of running into anyone are low, even before you realise that basically everyone is dead. She can't find anyone, and then she finds Ivan's body, understandably freaks out, and then realises she's locked in the castle, so runs upstairs. Night, unfortunately, then falls, and the Lord wakes up as a vampire. Katya faints as soon as this happens, but then Yabutich turns up and just throws the Lord into the fire, where he just kind of fades out of existence. So why turn him into a vampire if we're just going to kill him again when he wakes up? Or is that just like, I'm going to kill you twice, fucker? So I, I don't really know what's going on there. But uh, then Yabutich takes Katya to Acer to, I guess, do the ritual, whatever it is they need to do. Now, he puts Katya down next to Acer and uh, Acer takes Katya's hand. And then there's kind of a cool shot where, like, wrinkles that have been drawn on Acer's face in, like, what looks like brown eyeliner fade away and then appear on uh, Katja's face as if she's like draining the youth and the life force out of her which you know would be kind of cool if either of them was wrinkled before this which neither of them were because Asa has just been lying there looking like the same actress same age everything or after because when uh, Andre inevitably turns up and, and finds Katja Katja doesn't have wrinkles or lines or anything on her face it's literally just during this like transfer scene so i didn't really get that um so that seems kind of like wasted effort the guy playing andre who i guess manfully has been trying to act like his performance goes real downhill during these last couple of scenes so i thought i'd mention that especially because one of them is a fight scene with Yabutich, in which they just kind of like don't seem to make contact with each other and don't really make fighting noises either it's just like the sound of feet scuffling on the floor but but they have a fight um, Asa is frightened by the cross necklace, which is 
somehow on Kachu again, even though we saw her took it off before, but whatever. Um, so apparently that's meaningful. Andre and Yubutich fight near the trap door in the floor, which is still open. And then when Andre is like knocked down it and holding on for dear life with his fingertips, Constantine emerges from the trap door, which leads to a spike pit. Uh, to drag Yubutich in, Yubutich doesn't even make any noise. It's just kind of like grunting. Um, like no one yells or screams or says words uh, but he goes in the pit uh, and then Andre emerges from the pit with Constantine who says go save my sister and then very manfully dies uh, Andre then goes to find Katya and then an angry torch and pitchfork wheeling mob arrives at the castle I don't know how they know to be there but I appreciate the enthusiasm Asa briefly confuses Andre by saying that she is Katya uh, because she's put Katya's body on the remains of the casket like where she was lying before and she says you have to stake her through the eye it's like the only way and he goes to do that and then realizes that she's wearing the crucifix and it's not burning her so obviously she's Katya and then he turns on Asa the torchwooding mob bursts in and they corner her drag her outside tie her to a wooden ladder and then set her on fire because rain is not forecasted for tonight so they can finally do that Hooray! If only they'd invented the gazebo two centuries before, then this could have all been avoided. Uh, but anyway, they go to, you know, burn her. And then Andre does some terrible fake crying because Katya, who he's known for two whole days, is dead. And then as soon as Acer is burned outside, Katya rises from her sort of coma sleep with all her life force returned and everything is fine. Except for the fact that, you know, her brother and dad and butler and coachman are dead as is the doctor so but pretty hefty body count so obviously this film is incredibly dated because you know it's like a 1960s film it's not going to be incredibly modern or um, necessarily be the same kind of film that we're used to films being um, because this definitely feels kind of like almost a play um is the best way i can describe it it feels very much like one of those really old universal pictures horror films like the swamp thing or frankenstein or something like that because of you know mostly the torch wielding mobs um but that isn't to say that i don't really appreciate some of the stuff about it for instance i really like the story uh, it's got some really classical elements like the curse um coming back to get the people who are executing the witch um the figure who is basically her doppelganger uh, being reborn and, and that putting things in motion i really liked the law about you know the window in the coffin and, and and the cross so that she could see it and not rise up i thought that was really cool if they were to like remake the same kind of story in like a modern way i'm not even entirely sure it would work so i guess because i kind of liked the story it definitely kind of feels like it has to be made like this in order to work um, which is something to consider. Um, I wasn't wild about the ending or, to be honest, the acting prowess of Andre. It's always kind of sad to me when the witch dies and, and doesn't get, like, revenge because I kind of obviously am on the side of the witch usually because, I mean, bias. Um, it wasn't really showing, like, what she was doing witchcraft-wise that was so bad because obviously we start with her execution and they don't really give us any charges aside from she's a witch and in league with satan which i get that that's probably enough but i would have liked to know like how she got caught or what she was up to before she died but i feel like again these are kind of modern ideas where 
we kind of stopped looking at the witches being the bad guy and and mostly they are like now the good guys in some instances which is interesting and different uh so i probably wouldn't recommend this one for just like you know casual watching on the sofa because it definitely feels like something you would watch for a university project um in the sense that it's it's kind of like a historical look at what films used to be like um but i will say that it's definitely got its moments and and some interesting stuff going on in there um so if you're a fan of like classic horror films and that's already something that interests you but you're also interested in witchcraft then this is the film for you otherwise i don't know that you would get a huge amount of enjoyment from it and it was also kind of hard to find a copy of it to begin with so take that as what you will uh, but it was definitely interesting to look at a film that was previously banned in my country um i'm not sure i've ever seen a film that was banned in england before so that was pretty interesting um and also to see a little bit of different like lore about witches because that was definitely kind of an original concept which uh i feel like more modern films can learn from so uh with that in mind uh i will leave whether to watch it or not up to you but do let me know if you uh, enjoyed it if you gave it a look see or if you've seen it before um and do get in touch you can do so by twitter or by email which is all in the description box of this episode and in the meantime i'll see you in the next one bye <laughs>